This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, guys, and welcome to the Chapter Tactics bonus episode brought to you by Crunchyroll.twitch.tv because, as Jeff told me, the Anime Awards are happening right now at this very second. Jeff, who is going to take away the best award? The best award? I know nothing about Who's going to take the best animation award? Uh, I think Michael Bay or Peter Gabriel. My money's on Michael Bay. Okay. Uh, with me, I have, of course, Mr. Jeff in control, Robinson. I have Brandon, the robot, Grant. I'm still here. I'm still yeah, a robot. He apparently. heard you say that. Yep. And all the way from San Diego, California, Reese Robbins himself. <clears throat> Do you have Reese here? Reese Robbins himself. <laughs> I guess I'll chime in here, even though Reese isn't here. This is the worst Reese impression I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, so, Mr. Michael Snyder uh, from Relentless D, top four LVO performer, Mr. Mike Snyder. Yep. It was a crazy time. <laughs> so, uh, of course, I did mention earlier on Facebook that Reese would be on. Uh, unfortunately, he is handling a crisis down at Frontline Gaming. He's been in meetings for hours. I can only imagine what it's for, uh, but it probably has to do with the Anime Music Awards playing right now. The Anime anime Awards. You know, I'm just going to stop bringing that up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Open. We're going to talk about uh, kind of the future of the ITC season. Uh, I know the Castellan nerf is probably looming. Uh, you know, there were three out of the four lists in the top fourth LVO Warcastle on lists. So we're going to talk about uh, the 2019 ITC season and what we're going to do there. And then we're just going to have a little fun. Uh, so first and foremost, if you are a Patreon listener, thank you so much for listening. This is your early episode for the week. Uh, and if you are listening to this in the future, uh, the Patreon listeners already listened to this episode previously a couple weeks ago. Uh, so if you want to get access to more early bonus content, all you have to do is sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Okay. So uh, unfortunately, I was at the Las Vegas Open, so I wasn't able to look at the stream. Uh, but Brandon and Michael were both on the stream at independent times. Uh, so how did you guys enjoy your stream experience at the LVO? Uh, Brandon, you were on stream more. Why don't you lead? Sure. Um, I'm kind of used to it by now. Um, and especially because we weren't even miked for this occasion. It was pretty easy going for me to just play the game and kind of forget that there was an audience. So for me personally, I almost didn't notice that I was on stream after a while, other than the fact that there were an orbit of judges around me at all times. That did actually help quite a bit, actually, because anytime there was a rules dispute, I guess dispute's probably too aggressive of a word. Rules question. The judges were right there to handle it, which was great. So, 
Go ahead, Mike. Um, I, it was my first time on stream, um, at least at an, at an event. Um, but since my matchup was with Brandon, um, I, I didn't expect there to be any issues. I think I think I saw the judges kind of kicking back because <laughs> um, they knew Brandon and I weren't going to have any problems. So, um, you know, despite it being the first time when you're playing one of your best friends, that's that makes for a relaxing game regardless. Uh, and so this was this was a game that you yeah you guys have played this bef- matchup before in the past uh, at least at least I know you guys have talked about it um but this is actually I know Mike you you live far away now um when was the last time you guys played before this would have been a Boise tournament that Brandon came out for I don't remember if we played it Boise Cup we did I think we played Boise Cup third round uh, back in June or July yeah that was the last uh, time we played. Yeah. Who won? For the life of me, I'm trying to remember. You were playing Tyranids at the time, and I still had a Shadow Sword in my list. Yep. And well, so that was a while ago. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was back when people were still bringing Shadow Swords. Yeah, it was right before the Nightbook came out. Okay. <clears throat> so, obviously, Mike, uh, you lost that game. Um, you, I, I believe you mouthed the word. I, I got destroyed um, when I asked you how it went. Uh, is that normally how mirror matches go, or do you think Brandon Grant's skill level was just that much more than you? What, what was the? What I was the... I go messed ahead. up movement phase uh, top of one. I threw my conscripts. I rolled a six for their advance. Or after I rolled a six to seize, and I was super amped, and I threw my conscripts twelve inches forward, and they only really needed to go about seven. Um, so I gave Brandon. Uh, like five inch charge instead of a ten inch charge, um, and I realized what I had done partway through shooting phase in top of one, and I was like, "Huh, well, I guess I'm playing for points in third place now because I c- do not think I can recover from this." <clears throat> uh, Jeff, what what was it like watching these two? Not only these two play on the stream, but watching the top eight. At the LVO, you know, I know you had that Nova stream, so so you do have experience with that. But was the LVO? Did it feel bigger when you were streaming, or was it kind of similar to the Nova stream um, when you guys were at Nova in September? Well, I think especially in the finals with Brandon Grant against Alex Harrison, you could definitely feel the elevation of the, you know, what was at stake and what mattered to these guys. There's more and more people collecting around. I think for that final game, it must have been something like. 40, 50, or 60 people kind of piled around it. And then the stream was obviously uh, amped up as well, and it was very exciting. It was one of the best games Warhammer ever seen. So that game in particular, but I think what was a pleasant surprise for the other games, which to be fair, for the final eight, we had Brandon on there uh, for all of them. <laughs> so you take the potential for people to be really nervous, really excited, or weird, and you divide it by, by half, because Brandon's just such a cool customer that you're just not getting anything out of him in that way. Um, and then I thought everyone else handled it pretty well. So it was actually just really fun. Uh, it was funny to watch Michael and Brandon play in particular because they are they are such good friends that it was even harder to commentate them because they just agreed with everything. It was so jargony. <laughs> and then a lot of the moves they did was like, oh, you're doing that. Oh, of course you did. And now I can only do this because I know what you're going to do next. So it was kind of it was kind of funny that way. 
Um, but it was, but like there was cool intricacies even in that game. Like for instance, you would think two Castellans going into a game against each other, they'd be lighting each other up for the first three turns, but it was quite the opposite for them. And that was because they had probably been through a few of those Castellan versus Castellan matchups and realized that the better thing to do is to eliminate all the other targets around it, which you can very reliably do. So it made for a very tactically fun and interesting game um, to watch from that perspective. So it was really cool. Yeah, and if you've ever, uh, if you ever get the chance to play Mike Snyder um, in a game like at a tournament, uh, he is one of the virtual players, most virtual players I've ever seen. What I mean by that is, is he'll be like, oh, okay, your your Gene Sealer Colt dude is is over here, twenty inches away. Like that's cool. Like let's just move on. Um, he, he's very permissive, and uh, he really focuses more on on the mind, uh, the game in his mind or the game, I guess, in both players' minds than the actual physical game on the tabletop. So I know I've played Mike where there's we literally haven't moved any models and we've played out an entire game and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I lost. And then people, bystanders will come by and be like, why are you still in deployment? And I'm like, no, actually, he charged me over here and he's holding my objective here and I lose. And that's it. And that that's the game. Uh, makes it really, you know, handy for when you want to play a bunch of practice games quickly. But it also comes out in Mike's you know, tournament games as well. Um, and I can't even imagine watching Mike and Brandon play and being able to, to figure out what's going on there. Um, they were probably played multiple games in their heads while they were playing the Twitch game. I would not be shocked. It sounds way more nerdy than it actually is, by the way, if they're on the same right now. Yeah. <laughs> that, and to give Mike credit, um, before the Boise game in June, I think he was on a five-game winning streak against me. Um, so the thing is, when you play one of your friends who has been discussing all of your strategies with you and has been playing you for years and knows what you're usually up to, um, anything can happen. So anything could have happened in that semifinals game as well. Um, just the way that it did um, doesn't necessarily mean that Mike couldn't have beaten me if we'd had a rematch. No, we, we actually thought you were in trouble, Brandon. Like He, he got first turn which was nice because he cut off all your artillery and then oh, I thought yeah. the custodies matched up really well with you but then i guess if you just make all your saves on your bulgrin um i don't think brandon even rolled particularly above average on the bulgrin uh the fact the issue i had was i gave him free movement by letting him charge those conscripts um which meant that the bulgrin were sitting on the center objective instead of being either having to advance and being short of the objective and not charging which means i still have conscripts alive or they walk forward, attempt a long charge, probably fail it, and are sitting in the open. Um, but I, I, I played myself there. You know, I got excited and and rushed into it. You didn't switch twice with Trajan, right? Nope. And you didn't tangle with them. I don't think either, did you? Um, Brandon was smart enough to recognize that I had tangle foot. It was one of the things we discussed well before LVO. Um, so he left himself about 12 and a half inches from Tanglefoot range. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm. yeah. And, and the, and that should have left him at a long charge, but because I was so aggressive with my movement with those conscripts, it was a short charge for him. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. You, things proceeded to go downhill for Michael from there. It, right. <laughs> you know what the real bad part though was, was when a shield captain rode up on a company commander. Put his spear to him and did not kill him. And yeah, that was, well, was Strachan. Yeah. Listen, listen. 
Strachan or company, they're the, they should have died. Okay, should have they should have died. That or at least weird. more than a wound. Yeah, well, like th- th- those weren't my dice, Mike. Those were clearly yours. <laughs> well, well, Jeff, the spear broke before the guardsman did. Clearly. I guess. Uh, well, and and once once uh, Alex was ahead in his game, we needed Brandon to win our matchup so that Brandon could win ITC. Um, for me to win ITC, I needed Justin Lois to beat Alex in in oh. the, the semis. Um, I, I would not have been able to overtake Alex for for first in ITC, and you know then. Then it would have been a whole issue with with Alex coming in and winning ITC again. We just couldn't have that. Well, Never I think you guys did your part, but the actual true heroes here have to go to the British, who once again, when Alex made it to the top eight, they started chanting, it's coming home. And <laughs> if anything's true, in the last several years, whenever the Brits start saying it's coming home, it's actually super not coming home. So that was really nice of them to <laughs> kind of curse themselves that way. So, Mike, is it safe to say that that um, you wanted Brent? You thought Brandon had a better chance to beat Alex, because um, that was kind of the implied conversation that we had um, when I asked you, like, "Oh, you know, would you have beaten Alex at the LVO?" And you were like, uh, "I don't know." I, but I mean, I've never played Alex, so I can't say for sure. Um, I know he's a good player. Um, I think my list matches up in a different way than Brandon's. Like I mm-hmm. could have taken big game hunter where Brandon <laughs> took old school. I don't know that I want to say better because I have fewer infantry and I don't have the Bulgren. So well, if your shield captains can't kill Strachan, then I guess not. But on, <laughs> in other cases, they well, should have been better. Well, so what I'm worried about would be, uh, you know, Brandon had the Bulgren, which forced Alex to target the Bulgren t- uh, turn one. I don't have those. So he would have targeted my infantry and it's ultimately the infantry that win that matchup. So I think, despite my list playing into Alex's better as far as dealing damage, I think it also would have led to Alex making the right call and targeting the infantry earlier. At which point, I don't know if I have the bodies standing around to actually go win the game the way Brandon did. It's yes and no, though. I think you have the potential to hurt his flyers better. Like, oh, again, absolutely. Five attacks, hitting on twos, re-rolling, wounding on fours, re-rolling again, on the charge against a degrading Crimson Hunter. Oh, no, they the, the, the shield captains, the pair of them takes down a flyer a turn pretty reliably, mm-hmm. um, which obviously reduces Alex's ability to do anything to me. But it's it's the change in how Alex would play it. He would He would have been targeting my infantry earlier, and I have fewer to start with, and Brandon barely had any infantry left to go win that game at the end anyway. So I think, I think while I play better as far as dealing damage, I think Alex also plays that, plays into me better than he plays into Brandon. Yeah, the the way I'd see that going is um, the Eldar planes have a 36 inch range, and their primary target is the Castellan. So on turn one, He's going to move the flyers in such a way that the bikes can't respond. Mike will then move move forward and take the middle. This is assuming Alex goes first. Um, on the second turn, the same thing as happened in my game will happen, as in Jinx and Doom will both be in range of the Castellan, and he'll try and take it down. Though I do point, have a deny with a plus one due to the Warlord trait from the Custodes. That's actually that a pretty does, big advantage over you. That does help, because I only had the one deny without a plus one, and it didn't work. Um... But I think after that, th- you're going to take out one extra flyer with the captains, and then you still won't be able to respond, because right. they'll fly away from the captains the following turn, and just start picking up the rest of your army again. So, 
Yeah, I think my army forces Alex to make the right call and attack the, the infantry, whereas your army, that was a less obvious play. Um, and I think it was ultimately the misplay that cost him. I think he needed to be focusing on the infantry and deal with the Castellan later. <clears throat> um, you know, I think I think the real truth is is that Brandon just looks better in front of an American flag. There Jeez. is that. <laughs> you don't have to take that, Michael. That's all good. <laughs> um, j- joking aside, uh, so in the game against Alex Brandon, uh, there was a lot of, uh, uh, you know, griping about Alex Harrison, um, you know, and his his antics up at the LGT. Uh, did you get any of that sense? Because there were players at the LVO who who did have a an unpleasant time playing against Alex. Um, and I know you're a really nice guy, and you do tend to kind of drop the best in opponents. Um, but how was how was playing him at the final table, um, just from like a pleasantness perspective or from a sportsmanship perspective? Um, try to shy away from this because I, I really don't want to put anyone down. Um, but the way I'll put it is that um, it's almost like the book: if you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> So I'm unfamiliar with the book. The premise of the book is that if you give a mouse a cookie, eventually the mouse is going to take everything. Because yeah, it, it'll be more. more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So even the uh, opening of our game, Alex is like, is it okay if I put my model here? And I said, I don't know. Let's ask John. John, is it okay if he puts his model there? John says, no, you can't put your model there. Okay, keep going. Um, so you just handle it early. And just be like, well, if if uh, I don't know, I'll ask the judge, and we'll just play by what the judge says. And at that point, it's a pretty easy game. Um, the only other thing that happened during the game is uh, some of the spectators uh, yelled at me that the clock was on me at the wrong time, towards the end when there was five minutes left. So I went over and turned the clock back, but I didn't see what happened. Um, so yeah. you'd have to ask one of the spectators. Okay. Uh, and, and so as far as advice against playing players um, with reputations like that, uh, and this is just not just at a tournament level, but just in general, um, is that what, what would you give to people who, who have a hard time dealing with players like that and maybe who maybe let the motions get a better get the better of them? Well, in that case, um, getting amped up is just going to amp them up, too, and it's not going to be a fun game for anyone. So just play a clean game or as clean a game as you know how. And if you know that there's going to be a lot of real disputes, request a judge to just babysit the game. But just start out early with, I'm going to play by what I think is right, and if I'm not sure, I'll ask the judge. And if you play that way the whole time, you're going to avoid 90% of the problems that could occur. Mm. Let the judge be in charge of the cookies. I get it. Um, <clears throat> uh, so other than that, you, you it looked like it was a, a really pleasant game. Um it was obviously really close. I unfortunately only got to watch it afterwards. Uh, I was busy helping break down the terrain. Um, Jeff, you mentioned earlier that this was one of the most exciting games of 40k that you'd ever seen. Uh, what about it for people who maybe haven't seen it yet? What about it was so spectacular? Well, I think it had the advantage, obviously, of being the finals. So it was just very exciting, just outright. Uh, the LVO only continues to get bigger and what's at stake only continues to grow. Uh, Brandon had 
already secured for himself winning the ITC, which is a $4,000 check, which is pretty damn cool in the Warhammer world. He's, I think, one seventieth of his way back from recouping his losses from what he spent <laughs> on the game. So that's just, it's exciting. Um, but then also the game itself, it was a real nice breath of fresh air because it, a lot of times in 8th edition, if there is a criticism to be levied, it would be that it can end up being kind of snowbally if someone falls behind. There are, I would say, in 8th edition versus 7th, there's less ways to get back into it. But even if you don't agree with that, I would just tell you that a lot of times games are decided in the first couple of turns, and then it's very hard to see that get kind of reverted later. But this was a prime example of someone sticking to their guns about how they're going to play a, a strategy that takes the full game to develop, but also just playing to the objectives. Um, and then another person seemingly ahead, not even necessarily making mistakes, but kind of realizing the trouble they're in as the game progressed, which is just a really fun, cool depth to the game that um, exists, but you don't get to see all the time, right? Like sometimes it's just like, I pummel you. And then guess what? Next turn, the pummeling is even worse because you have less things to weather the storm. But in this game, it was a it was just a nice bout between two great generals going back and forth, and Alex seemed to be ahead, but you could kind of see the consternation and sweat on his forehead even after he killed the Castellan, which is where most people would take a deep breath, where he's like, wait a second, there's still a lot of freaking bodies out here, <laughs> and they're all on objectives. It's pretty cool. Yeah, on that point, I do have to compliment Alex. He is a phenomenal player. His yeah. list was perfectly designed for the meta um anyone who wants to copy his list uh, i can't fault them for that and he knew how to play his list really well so i think that's the other half of what made the game so cool is that alex knew how to just keep punching my list into the ground yeah which is what made it so fun to watch but also yeah. his list was very meta like uh, specifically the wind riders as the complementary force to that because a lot of people have been doing Wave Serpents and stuff with the idea being I don't want to get tabled and not have boots on the ground, but his list was very specifically saying, I think I'll put out so much firepower that you can't, and I'll move block if you could, and then I seriously want a lot of DACA for your infantry, and then all that punch for the Castellan. Like, the list was made to kill what Brandon and Michael took, and you could kind of see it doing that, and yet Brandon was able to win anyways, which is what is so cool about that game. Yeah, and, and so this question is going to be directed more at Mike and Brandon, but speaking of the meta, Alex Harrison also designed the list to be orcs, right? Nick Notavati goes on record saying that that's one of the lists that he feared and that he didn't want to play at the LVO, and sure enough, he ran into Alex Harrison and lost by, I think, one point or two points. One, yeah. One, point, one point, and then in the following round, Alex Harrison played Steve Pamprine, another phenomenal orc player with a, a terrifying orc list and beat him by uh, three points or four points. So they were there were slim margins, which which on the surface looks like it could have maybe gone either way. But I, I have to believe that that part of Alex's tech, like the Windriders and his list designed to beat orcs, um, had to factor into both of those matchups. And he did win those matchups. So so his tailoring to the meta worked out in his favor. Um, you two stuck with the Castellan list. Uh, variants on it, obviously, it wasn't the uh, it was pretty cookie cutter. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to lie for both of your lists. <laughs> hey, I had Trajan. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what, Mike? You you got a little sprinkles on your cookie compared right. to everyone else. I'll take but it. <laughs> the the point is, is why why did you two stick with the Castellan list? And specifically, you, Mike. I know you go through a lot of lists uh, with Brandon. <laughs> you know, it was his list. Like Brandon has a lot of experience with that list, so I I think he has more of a reason to stick with that list. Um, but 
for both of you, why did you choose to stick with the Castellanist going into the LVO? Um, I uh, actually won my first GT with almost this exact list in December. Um, so I was like, all right, this is this is working well. And um, I don't know if you guys noticed on stream, but it's Gene Steeler Cult themed. So I have already dropped it uh, since the Gene Steeler Cult <laughs> book has released. Um, I am back to a Gene Steeler Cult player. So... Um, mm -hmm. It was just it was the army that had a good rule set that I own the models for. Okay, well, there and you go. In my case, I really like Imperial Guard, and I really like Imperial Guard infantry. Barf. And uh, hey, it's my it's my army, damn it, and I can play what I want. <laughs> so what I wanted to play was Guard infantry, and that was the list that made the most sense to play with if I was going to run that. And, and let's be honest, Brandon has been playing Guard Infantry since 4th edition, so <laughs> this this really it is his army. It is exactly what he's been running forever. Mm. Models have been painted this way for <laughs> 10 years, in that exact scheme. I think he added the basing recently. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I actually do remember having to paint some models for you, my, uh, um, Brandon, when... I borrowed some infantrymen for Nova like three years ago, and the paint you gave me was this ancient dried-out oil paint. And he was like, here, Pablo, this is the paint I used. And I, I never had a harder time painting. It came in like a little glass case. It was, it was awful. So <clears throat> you should start a hobbying, a hobbying stream, Brandon. I think that's the least qualified thing that I would start. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, moving back to to the meta, um, the Castellan list was clearly the list everyone had their eyes on and everyone was gunning for. Uh, I think would all three of you agree with that? Um, I would say orcs were right there too. Hmm. Um, I think everyone was scared of of what orcs could do. Um, so I think those were the two archetypes, and then keeping Yanari in the back of your mind as well. Uh, okay, yeah, I still think that. Um... Eldar had all the tools that they needed to get to the top, and they did. I mean, three, um, three of the top eight were also Yanari. So, the only reason more orcs weren't up there is that Alex crushed them early on. He single-handedly stopped all of the top eight orc players from making the top eight. <laughs> um, but, okay, so... So you're right. Uh, there were also, there were also like, chaos lists that people were looking for as well. And I think... I think the writing on the wall was that hordes were going to kind of make a little bit of a comeback, especially with orcs being a thing. But I, I didn't expect the castle list being as dominant. I expected a lot more people to bring the heat um, to deal with castlins. Do do any of you maybe have any insight as to why the castle list still dominated, despite the fact that it, you know everyone should have been gunning for it? I still think that the the stratagems to pick and choose a warlord trait and a relic as needed for your opponent. Um, they give you so much utility on a model that's already really strong and then being able to, to see, oh, my opponent only has AP1. Well, I'm House Raven, so I'll ignore AP1 and I'll take the two-up armor save and now I'm basically immune to damage. Or, you know, oh, I'm playing in the Eldar, I'm going to take the four-up invul. Um, you know, and I'll force them to vect it, which is going to drain their CP in a turn or two. Um, it, it still just has so much more utility than basically any other unit in the game. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so Jeff, mm -hmm. 
Gene Seal Cult. They're here. They're here to stay. They look like an amazing codex. Do you think that Gene Seal Cult have the tools to just shut down the Castone list? And then if that is true, do you think that e- with the Gene Seal Cult codex existing, do you think the Castlands need to get nerfed heavily at all or even at all? Uh, well, I'll answer it in reverse, I guess. I think the Castellan, the issue with it is that it hurts the meta. It's just not good for the meta. A lot of people look at their list and say, I'd like to take a big monster. I'd like to take some tanks, some vehicles. I'd like to take uh, this lesser knight or something like that. But then they think to themselves, well, with how prevalent the Castellan is, there's a very good chance that I put it on the table and it literally in one turn, if not outright dies, then is rendered useless anyways, because it just gets to such a low level. Um, so they don't. And it kind of it just cancels out a, bun- a bunch of fun toys that would help other lists in general uh, by making the Castellan more expensive and maybe slightly less effective by say capping out its invul at four plus plus. Now you're talking about something that can take, that becomes a little bit more of a liability. Um, and then it's just that much more expensive. So it's just a little bit less attractive. It's still obviously very, very good, but it comes at more of a premium. So it seems to be more fair. I think that seems to be the kind of balance that people want to see struck. As far as Gene Sir Cult, does it drive the Castellan away by itself? No. Um, having more abilities to stop things like Raven or Rotating Ion, which, again, for Gene Sir Cult, it's not the biggest of deals. Probably never happens. Uh, yeah, that's nice. But yeah, the cool thing about Gene Sir Cult is they have the answer, um, the ability to be good against, I would say, just about everything. But there's always going to be that GSC variance where you're guaranteed to get like one good charge off, but then the others, there's a lot of ways to make them very reliable. There's a lot of ways to make them more likely, but then there's counterplay to that as well. And then dice happens. So there's right. just a little bit of, there's a little bit of RNG when you play Gene Sir Colt, which makes it hard to take them to the absolute top. But I think they reward a very good, savvy and strong general very well. Um, I do not see them as the kind of, you know, lists that you put in the hands of a starting out player or someone that doesn't have a whole lot of success, and then it elevates them to this top tier level. I see a top tier general taking this list and being very different from everybody else and probably doing well, but also you can just fall victim sometimes to failing a six inch charge a couple of times. And it seems ridiculous, but it happens. And then when that happens, what do you got? Acolytes, tough three of the five up save? Okay. What do you got? Gene Stealers, top four. Five up save. Oof. Have fun. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, On that note, um, Sean Naden's list is what I imagine Gene Steeler Cult will be doing, which is all my characters are amazing and they're just going to dismember your army, but you won't be able to shoot any of them because I'm going to tie you up with things you can't run away from. Mm Mm-hmm. So I see that with some of the characters that they've just released for Gene Steeler Cult and how devastating they are. I think they're another army that can pull that off, just like uh, Thousand Sons and Yanari. Yes and yes and no. You're absolutely right. And of course, this is not like the nah type of point. But what I will tell you is that they have a lot less access to like full reroll stuff that a lot of other armies do. So a lot of the a lot of the that RNG again comes in the fact that like. A Sanctus with a Relic Sniper Rifle could can basically one-shot a lot of the Psychers in the game, and that's incredible. But very often is hitting on a 2 with no reroll, unless you want to spend a command point, and then wounding on at least a 2, probably a 3, again, if it's the Relic, with no reroll. 
whereas a lot of the Eldar stuff is like, I got full rerolls because I have a psychic power. Actually, I have two of them that gives it that gives that to you. Um, and then to wound, you know, like everybody else, they they have some rerolls as well. But yes, Eldar has they, doom. Yeah. yeah, they they don't need the CU for to cast. And I, Gene Seer Cult is a little bit more susceptible to things like. Again, I'm not disagreeing with Brandon, but the the problem that you'll run into with a good Gene Seer Cult list is removing screens and removing uh, buffers, which is a screen essentially. Um, if you ally in Terranids, that's fine and good. You can put Hive Guard in there. You can put some other things. That's fine. Or you can wrap them up, like Brandon's saying. Uh, but again, it's it's a lot of guys that have a five up save tough three, which Elder have as well. But then again, they have these abilities. To be like, no, they actually have a four up invul, or you you know, or minus one to hit them, or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. And Gene Steeler Colt are paying seven points a model for their guardsman toughness dudes. Yeah, they hit like a truck, but. If you can land a punch on them, they'll go away. Yep. Yeah. And they don't have leadership stuff, for the most part. I mean, they have the Patriarch. Yes, if you have the Patriarch to turn two and onward, or if you ran them up turn one, yeah. But that's still, that's a six-inch, maybe nine, depending on your Warlord trait, nine-inch aura mm -hmm. relative to, like, Tyranids with their 18 inches off every Hive Tyrant. Right. Mm. I, I By no means will ever sit here and say they don't have... Like, they're terrible. They're not. They're really good. But but it reinforces my point, I think, which is if you're really good about having your auras overlapping, having your characters in the right place, executing... Because they do have good psychic powers, too, by the way. They have good five of the six, in my opinion, are very, very good. Yes. So they have the tools. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they don't. But they're a little bit less reliable than Eldar, and there's a little bit more RNG than Eldar in particular. So you're just a little bit more susceptible to, like, a... Aha! No, I didn't make the charge. Okay. <laughs> So, in terms of uh, Gene Sir Colt's role in the overall 40k tournament scene, um, I think it's fair to say that there's going to be a few really good elite players that'll always threaten to win the uh, whatever event they show up to. But as far as the the faction as a whole, where do you think they're going to be? Are they going to be like a gatekeeper army? Are they going to be like Inari consistently dominating no matter who's piloting them? Are they going to be subpar at the, the lower levels like orcs? Where do you think they're going to be? I, I think uh, you're right about the elite players. I don't see it having a super big impact elsewhere. There's a lot of people playing Terranids mm -hmm. that will just always have genes that are cult because they're just a fun... Great new models. The rules are pretty good. Like you're just going to see that mix a lot. With the change to Brood Brothers, my estimate would be you're not going to see a whole lot of Astro Militarum in there like you used to. Are we assuming that they fix like orders to Bulgrin because that is a problem? Uh, that will be fixed. Uh, the FAQ I'm sure is coming fairly soon. Okay, good. But Wait. also just in general, they they're pretty heavy handed about how Brood Brothers as entire detachment is like not very good. So. You'll see a lot less of that. Whereas if you go back to even just last LVO index Gene Circle, you almost always saw Astro Militarum with them. I didn't personally, but <clears throat> I was still playing them last year. But I, yeah, they were certainly a lot more common. And, and I saw, I mean, this past LVO, John Lennon was running triple Vulture with his, which is mm -hmm. gross. Oh, Carlos really Kaiser, who plays for a highlight last LVO, he also took guard with it as well. Or maybe it wasn't Carlos Kaiser, somebody else. But yeah, Carlos Kaiser took a Custodes this year at the LVO. But but there were year, players so last year. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't hear that. Yeah, last year I think I think he took took something similar to that. Uh, 
Okay. Um. So so middle of the road to people probably shouldn't worry about them, but just know a little bit about them. The blip system's really hard and not particularly super powerful. It's very tricky and it can be very good, but it's not overtly good. Like you don't, you know, you're not avoiding their shooting or something like that, right? So it's just a lot of like move blocking and then making them think one thing and switching to something else, which is pretty cool. And again, in the smart general's hands, that'll be very good. But it's not, it's not what it used to be, which is like just, just shits popping up everywhere and you're just in trouble. Yeah. Um, and then making pretty reliable charge off them, right? With the, the Primus and stuff like that. Like, there were several units getting into combat every time. Uh, perfect Ambush is very good. And then there are ways to get yourself into, like, giant bubbles of 7-inch charges and 6-inch charges, which is very reliable. So good. So which can absolutely ruin someone's day yeah, they very seem, quickly. They seem like an army that's going to have a really high skill cap and a really low skill floor. So you can perform very poorly with them. But if you know what you're doing, they seem like you you have the opportunity to play very well and do very well I with them. Super agree with that. So Yanari. Yeah, I was gonna say Eldar. <laughs> I would. I think an even lower floor than Yanari. Dang. Yeah, yeah. If you don't see a whole lot of bad Yanari in my opinion, right? Right. I think Yanari have a higher floor. I think you can play yeah. poorly with Yanari and do better than like than what I expect to see yes, a bad yes, Team Circle player do. Mm-hmm. Team um, Circle is like a all their big. Hit heavy hitters hit the crap out of you, but do not take a punch except for aberrants for the most part. And even and aberrants like aren't that said, tough. Their characters are really good. Mm. So now, now that the the LVO is over, uh, Jeans of the Colts are out, uh, and with leaks on the horizons, um, but we're pretty much done with faction or Codex Eighth Edition. Uh, we're, you know, we're moving into sisters transition. coming up. Is the other S- thing. Sisters, yeah, sisters, and then a few other fringe factions. But for the most part, it, it's like ninety nine percent done. It's it's complete. We have a a window of what the season's going to look like now, um, minus any crazy stuff that GW comes out with, uh, like box sets and whatnot. What what are the three of you planning on playing going into the two thousand nineteen season? Well, before you guys give your answer, let me just say this because it's gonna it's gonna change. Uh, we're working on it right now, and I can't say too much, obviously, but from what you have seen, I believe this won't get me fired, but the Space Marine stuff that's coming out is absolutely stupidly bonkers good. Uh, okay. And, like, levels we haven't seen, actually. So it's going to make some people really salty, but because most people play Space Marines, it's going to make most people very happy. Uh, <laughs> well, like I cannot exactly tell you wonder. when this is coming, obviously, and I won't even hint at it. But I'm just telling you that, I mean, we know it is, right? So I, I think that part I'm safe to say. And it's it's insane. Absolutely so yeah. insane. So what you're saying is if I can't get my head wrapped around Gene Sealer Colt, I can pull my 500 Space Marines out of storage and, and run them? Yes. Sweet. Yeah, I, I imagine it's what Jeff is, is alluding to is the Vigilist Defiant stuff and kind of like everything GW is pointing at. Like, look, we've got Primaris Marines and all this crazy stuff coming out and this Vigilist, you know, campaign and Abaddon. And, um, it, I literally can't say specifics. I, I know, cannot I give know. you timetables. I, I, I won't say any more than what I did. All I'm going to say is mark my words. It is whatever you think is strong right now, it pales in comparison. Awesome. Fair enough. All right. So I can't so now wait. give your answer, knowing that at some point <laughs> this year, your answer changes to what I just said. <laughs> um, I promise. So, uh, Michael and Brandon, um, please 
try to answer. Well, me the question. too. I'll answer as well. You guys just go. Uh, just knowing. Go, go ahead, well, guys. Jeff, it sounds like you're just going to answer Marines because <laughs> I'm not goading myself into an answer on a timetable. <laughs> Gene Steeler Colt. G- Jeff's going to play Gene Steeler Colt at least once in the 2019 season. Jeff and I are going to play bunch. the same dang armies. We're going to play Gene Steeler Colt, and then it sounds like something's going to be silly and good, and we'll probably switch to Marines. Well, also, I'm actually really to so my answer is yes. I'm gonna play Gene Circle. I'm really excited about that. What's really fun too is you can't fit everything you want into one list. Like, I do want to try the bikes. I, I want Ridge Runners. They're just such cool models. Gene Sealers, Aberrants, Acolytes, all so fun. Um, I have two Kellermorphs in my list right now. It's just it's a really fun list that way. Uh, but I'm also super excited about the new Custodies. Actually, like this shit is. Every list I write is frustratingly tiny because it's just pure custodians <laughs> right now, and and with the leaked assassin stuff. Oh my god! Uh, which is just straight up good. If you run Imperium, you should just write every list to nineteen fifteen, just yes. absolutely. Yep. And then shoehorn in a uh, assassin and and happily have what it takes to you know score better. It's just oh, amazing. I already tweaked my LVO list to fit the assassin. Yeah, I'm like oh, I don't need. I can cut a Hellhound down to Rough Riders, and I can cut 10 in infantry bodies and two bolters, and that's my 85 points. All right, yep. I'm set. And it's uh, going to be you and everybody else. Like, you, right. nobody should not do yeah, assassins. Yeah, it's obvious. I guess since we already opened the can of worms, I really, really like the direction they went with that. Amazing, yes. I, I really do. Um, all right. So, Brandon, what, what's what's going to be the robots game plan? Um, I was kind of eyeing... Death Watch Marines after yeah, my game amazing. with Ben. Yeah. Um he took a thirty Primaris Marines as Death Watch and the damage output from those things is insane. And they're not that easy to remove when they just teleport into cover and shoot you from eighteen inches away. Yep. Well it'll be um, twenty four inches or thirty inches or, or more once the beta bolter rules are yeah. officially in effect. Which they are, I think, right? Yeah. yeah they're, they're, I mean pretty much after, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what direction I'm going to go in. I definitely like having guard infantry or that style of list. Like back when I paid uh, Battle Company with Dark Angels, it was kind of the same idea. I just have lots of bodies and do board control. So I'm probably going to continue playing that style of 40k. It's just I can't predict right now with exactly what models I'll be doing it other than based on what I'm hearing in the rumor mill. If something comes out that's really good... I might just jump on the bandwagon. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. You will. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff, what minus stuff that you can't tell us, what what can you tell us about what you're going to be running in the 2019 season? I, uh, I'm i really excited about Custodes. They, I, have, I have all these models, and they finally have rules, and I think they're actually really quite good, if not aggressive, but in a fun way, right? Like a good custody list. Yes, it has a bunch of vehicles and it's mostly custodies, but it's not stupidly overpowered. I think it still will be very rewarding in the sense that you make right calls and put yourself in the right place and it feels good, as opposed to you just shove it across the table and win, mm-hmm. which custodies can do anyways. That's kind of the, the one of the funny elements of them is like in a, in a bad matchup for your opponent, it ends up being really bad, right? Like if you can't get past two up save and you know, minus three just doesn't give you a save, then it's pretty good for the custody player, generally speaking. But um, I'm looking at Dreadnoughts, I'm looking at the Orion, I'm looking at, I just ordered three more, well, not three more, I didn't have them to begin with, but the Palace Grav Tanks are 100 points, put out good shots, they have Gravitic, uh, 
Minus two to minus charge. Minus two to charge. Yeah, it's the minus two. I was trying to be all fancy. Okay, it's, it's gravitic backwash. There it is. But there it's just is. such a cool rule. Right. Minus Especially two to with charge. Tanglefoot, it makes your whole army unchargeable, essentially. Like, they're really cheap. I didn't I didn't actually realize they were 100 points. points. Yeah. Wow. That's not bad. That's uh, the, they're, they're the small tanks. But then even like the bigger one that puts out a ton of shots is 220, basically. It's just, they're very affordable. They're gorgeous models. Um, and then Eric Scribbins at LVO took a list that was all foot. Custodies as well and did very well for himself. I think he went five and one, uh, which is just it's just a fun era for Custodies coming up again because we we're in a little bit of a downturn there when they when the bikes With, took probably the biggest nerf by hurting them in the assault phase by taking fly away. I don't see Eric's list performing as well at Adepticon as it did at LVO. No, it, it's when you don't have terrain to hide behind. It's going to be a little bit of a different story. But, yeah. yeah, but that's where. All of a sudden, Caster Jeff says, geez, if I could take my Orion, a Telemann or three, and then a couple of... <laughs> at, at, at that tournament, where they can't hide anywhere, and I'm shooting 72 <laughs> inches the whole time, like, everyone's Ooh. minus one to hit, and they're tough eight, and they have a, an invul at least of a four-up, basically. It's like, okay, that's pretty good, too. <laughs> so it's just fun stuff to play with. Um, it's just going to be that, and it's going to be Gene Sir Colt, and then I have the pleasure and honor of being on the ETC team, and what's funny is... Nick Rose is just such a significantly worse player than I am, so we're going to give him Gene Circle. You know, we can't take that away from him. Uh oh. But then what does that mean? What am I playing? Because we can't play Forge World, so we'll see. Ooh, Uh-oh. you can't play Forge World. That's not ATC. Yeah. ATC doesn't have That's Forge World. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff Jeff will think of something. He he has he has plenty of beautifully painted Well, I'm models sure there's no contest for, for the castle, and I'm sure that's unclaimed so far. So you could probably oh, no. just. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Alex Fennell's probably going to take something with that. Uh, Well, okay, so one thing to put food for thought out there that's really fun is a lot of people are talking about AdMech right now as well. Uh, Yeah. Going into the LVO, they were the third highest performing faction, which is incredible. And then post-LVO, people are like, holy cow, they pair well with this, they pair well with that. Mm -hmm. Destroyers are fun. So there's a lot of people getting excited about um, AdMech, too. We had a couple of locals run those at uh, at LVO, and you have yeah. the, the two wound, I think they're infiltrators, they get like five shots a piece, you yeah. run them as Mars, you're like, here's like eight mortal wounds, wherever the heck I feel like, like that's, yep. they're gross. Yeah, and, and some, a little teaser for Monday's episode, uh, for you Patreons specifically, uh, there were only two factions that did not go five and one at Delvio, so top 62 went five and one, which, which is phenomenal, winning five games out of six yeah. rounds. Uh, only two factions were not represented: Grey Knights and Tyranids. <laughs> which, Ouch! Which means, if you're a Space Wolf player, if you're a Gene Stealer Cold wow. Index player, Necrons. Necron player, uh, all the, there were there was at least one army list in there for you to look at with a player who went five and one. Which I, I mean, it just from a just from a like. Uh, an enjoyment perspective is just is awesome right so it, i think it'll blow the etc you know um i guess in terms of planning for the etc like right out of the water i i can't wait to see this year's etc um and the variety of lists hopefully yeah it, um, it'll be great yeah but but yeah so there you go and, and for you gray knight players and tyranid players don't worry there were there were gray knight and tyranid players with winning records uh i i think i actually i think there were tyranid i don't know about gray knights i think I don't, you know, I don't want to say I didn't dig too um, much into that. There was <laughs> one Tyranid player, uh, John Lennon was technically Tyranid primary, and he went five yeah. and one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Tyranids so, are not in that group, technically. So, technically, even though he was 
you know, he did have a fair amount of Gene Steeler right. Colt. I'm gonna have to have the Falcon airmail me that that stat again. But Green Knight players definitely did not make did not go five and one. I know that for a fact. I can't. Maybe it wasn't Tyranids. Maybe it was a different faction. Um. Anyways, uh, so I think just just so I can throw my kind of answer in there to that question, I'm think I'm thinking about running Space Marines. Uh, <laughs> this was before Jeff told me anything. I really want to make an Emperor Spears army. Uh, oh, I bought the Emperor Spears Collector's Edition as kind of like a gift, Christmas gift to myself. Um, and I love their paint scheme. I love the book. Um, they're really cool. And, and I think I can take them into any direction I want. So like Death Watch, Veterans, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, I'm probably going to run Space Marines until, you, you know, as soon as I get the army built up. Um, in the meantime, I'll be running three knights. That's what I've been winning with. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Pablo, yeah. you were running three knights when eighth dropped. I, I've been running three <laughs> knights most of the... I, I've been running three... Going back and forth between three knights and Imperial Soup since all edition, essentially. Um, but I've had more success with three knights. Uh, I, you know, it's just, just my list, my jam. Um, okay, so we've got some questions... Uh, for Mr. Brandon Grant from our Patreons. Um, and of course, Jeff and Mike are totally, you know, willing to chime, or they're totally able to chime in here. Uh, first question is from Patreon Brett Urbanowski, who's actually a VIP Patreon. Pat- Brett, thank you so much for being a patron. Uh, question for Brandon If he was Alex in that last round, what would he have done differently to defeat his list? Or is there any other opponent's list he felt more threatened by if he had been playing that army instead of his own? Um, it's like I said in the after interview with, um, Jeff, I felt that Alex played a very strong game and then he made almost all the correct decisions. Um, there were a couple decisions that I would have made differently if I were him though. Um, one of them would be to focus on giving me as few kills as possible so that, um, his goal after the Castellan dies is to never lose another unit for the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, if he does that, he denies me a bunch of primary points and gives himself a chance to catch up. In addition, he should have identified early that the bonus objectives were going to be super important and used flyers to move block me from getting to that objective for the entire game. Mm. If he'd done those two, I think he still would have won. Wow. And that's that's something that I think a lot of players don't think about, right? Is Is denying using flyers to deny bonus objectives instead of on, on top of also trying to kill bullgren and, and flyers. he did think of doing it but by the time he did i'd already had a model on it every turn mm. so he kept killing the models that were touching it but then i'd move far enough to be able to resume the same location every turn okay. um so that that's my short answer uh, okay so this next question is from a patron uh gentleman named dallas um, who is also another VIP patron. Do you, this is for anyone um, who wants to answer it. Um, he just wants advice on getting started in competitive ITC. Uh, how do you propo- approach major GTs? What are some of the steps you take to get ready? Um, the best advice I can give is to not only do what you're already doing, which is follow Pablo and his podcast and listen <laughs> to good players, um, and netlisting and everything else that you can do online. But find a group of players who are approximately the same skill level as you and trade ideas as much as possible. So that way when someone comes up with a cool idea, you're at least aware of it 
or you can improve their idea or point out why it wouldn't work. And then finally, you want to find new players who are better than you, who are going to kick your ass, because when that happens, you can dissect what happened and become a better player by figuring out what you could do better. And if you do all that, you're going to be sure to get better over time. To add on to that, I think what Brandon didn't mention is every time you're playing, if you're playing, to, if you're planning on improving, you should be looking at what could I have done differently. Every game, you should be trying to figure out what could I have done differently that would have had a better result, and then that gives you something to test next time. So you should be focused on improving every game you play. Well said. Yeah. Uh, I would I would just add on to all of that. Try not to go to a major tournament, forty k tournament alone, if you can. If you if you can't, even if you got to ask random people to carpool or if they're going and you know meet up with them at a Denny's later or something, it just makes the whole experience better. Um, and also gives you a lot more talking points for you to grow from as a person and as a player. Um, so, and I would say that that's true for not just 40k, but for most big things in life. Like, you know, you don't want to go to weddings by yourself or, uh, or, uh, you know, conventions or whatever have you. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, do you have any advice for people who want to jump into ITC? I think those are all great pieces of advice. I, I mean, the, the lame thing to just say is just do it like a lot of people build it up in their head a lot bigger than it actually is like there's a lot of like-minded people that you'll really enjoy if it's your first big tournament expecting to do really well is probably a little bit silly but maybe you'll surprise yourself just go and have fun just do it train says just do it to to add to that my first big gt was barrier open a couple years ago and i decided on a friday afternoon because i got off work at noon i was like all right, I'm driving from San Diego to San Francisco, and I'm playing in the tournament tomorrow. And that was still one of the best experiences I've ever had at a mm. major tournament. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so uh, Peter the Falcon has a question for um, each of you. Uh, what faction or sub-faction would you like to see get some kind of codex supplement treatment, and why is it Sisters of Silence? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a good pick, right? Like, they're in such a silly place right now. Um, I don't even know him, but I can't remember who... Oh, gosh, as, as I'm saying this, I'm blanking on his name. It's like Carl or something. Took a picture of a gigantic... What's that Forge World chapter? Like, the Minotaurs or whatever? Yes. They don't even have rules. Like, they just straight... They have models, they have characters, they don't have rules. <laughs> so, like... Uh, better Forge World treatment in general, which uh, we had a nice meeting at LVO, and I think you can expect some more of that in the future. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Brandon and Mike, are there any hidden sub-factions in the 40k lore that, that tug at your heartstrings and you'd like to see codified? Um, I'll go. So, at one point, there was a codex for Crute. <laughs> and I don't know what happened, but if there, was the a sub, if there was a sub-faction for Crute again, that would be pretty great. Just because then you wouldn't just see all battlesuit tower armies because there'd be some cool mercenaries for them to throw in. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I like how you call slaves mercenaries like that. That was very nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> They're clearly volunteers. Are they? Voluntold. <laughs> what about you, Mike? Um, 
Squats and assassins. There's there's my two Get good answers. Get out of here. <laughs> Squats? You think you're funny? <laughs> Get out of here. Just what Imperium needs is another sub-faction, right, Mike? Yeah. Right. You know, maybe, like, you could pay a CP and then just add them in to, like, tailor to your opponent. You know? Yeah. I feel like that's a concept that would be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, I, I would personally just like to see them um, add in more supplements for different factions um, within... With I, I guess different sub factions within the factions, which I, I know is confusing. But let me elaborate a little more. Like like for example, Hive Fleet Kraken maybe might get their own like mini box game set with like Sotek Dynasty Necrons. You know, j- just give give them a little bit more. Give Iron Hand some characters. You know, I, I just want to see that come out in the form of campaign sets and box sets, which is which is the thing I've been I've been crying for. You know, since Eighth Edition began, uh, once all the codexes got released, I was like, I, I just hope that GW takes it in that direction. I wish Inquisitors were more interesting. Inquisition. Yeah, Inquisitors are super not cool in Eighth Edition, and they used to be really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- there were there were more. I remember I missed the Fifth Edition Grey Knight Codex with the Inquisitors. You could give them like a billion war gear options. I do not so miss Codex though. Cody as is, uh, I can intercept you before intercept was a thing, is not <laughs> a so rule funny. I want to come back. I miss Cody as. Forget this guy, Michael Snyder. Okay? <laughs> Eat him on every table. <laughs> All right. Um, and then finally, uh, Mr. Abuse Puppy has a question, um, probably for Brandon Grant, but I-, I feel like I can turn this into a challenge. I'll take this one, Pablo. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, how many fish can you name? What? Jeff, All right, Jeff. How many fish no, it's Brandon. Bring? That's definitely for Brandon. <laughs> I mean, I like fish, but I'd really rather not bore the audience. So let's go with I know a couple dozen varieties of fish, okay, and then I'd run out of names. Varieties. But do you know about the Humu Humu Nuku Nuku Wapu Wapuawa? The the angel. I'm fish afraid I wasn't Hawaii? aware of that one. It's yeah. the Hawaiian national fish. State fish. A state fish. Sorry. It's the Hawaiian <laughs> Fantastic, state fish Brandon. Hawaiian national fish, Pablo. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You know they're a part of the old, uh, <laughs> the old U.S. the old Union. We uh, you know, we formed. They're clearly a part of the ship. United States, and <laughs> not slaves. We don't slaves. do free shipping to Hawaii, Jeff. So yeah. as far as Alaska and Hawaii are concerned, they're not real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forty-eight states. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple dozen. Can anyone beat that? No, no. I named okay. honestly, one. nobody should be able to name a couple dozen fish either. That's come on. You know what, Jeff? That that's, that sounds like some hater aid. You you gotta you gotta step off of that. It's judgment aid. <laughs> um. All right, guys. Well, uh, it's been about an hour. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you're a Patreon, let me know if you want more of this kind of content. Uh, if you are um, if you're listening to this in the future, um, you know any advice or feedback, always greatly appreciated. Brandon and Mike and Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Are there any final words, plugs? that any of you want to say? No. Um, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you, Pablo. This is a blast. Nope. No problem. Okay, look more. Look forward to more of this kind of content in the future, and have a good one.